your host, Sky, and I'm back for part two of Pandemic Fatigue. I realized that my first episode on a Pandemic Fatigue was just really me ranting and raving about my frustrations um, with the pandemic and what that looks like for us parents and how we navigate etc. And it was really more just me ranting about all the things that were wrong about the pandemic. And I wanted to come back because I wanted to provide some solutions because no one wants to hear a bunch of problems without solutions. Um, Being a social worker and providing mental health services, etc., I know that we have to be solution-focused in our approach with everything. And I wanted to come back on and give some tips uh, it's definitely a blog post that I'm going to do, but I know that everybody doesn't like to read blogs. Um, it's time-consuming, and sometimes you just want to hear the information because, I mean, let's let's face it. Like, who has time to read something for a few minutes um, when we have all these other deliverables and expectations and things that we need to get through during the, during the day? So I wanted to come back on and humble myself because it was definitely just a rant and I wanted to just provide some stuff so um, if you listen to part one then you heard me talk about how I did a live with my colleague um, who was like a mentor for me um, Dr. Um, Renee Mealy who is a clinical psychologist uh, who I have the pleasure of working with and I have been learning from for the past four almost five years now and um, I've gained such a wealth of knowledge from her, um, and some of these are her tips, so I definitely want to shout her out, shout out Dr. Neely, and um, some of these are just tips that I had um, when we did that live, and I wanted to share them with you guys because I thought that was helpful. Um, so the first tip is connect before you correct, and that was her tip, and connecting before you correct is exactly what it sounds like. Making sure you connect with your child before you correct any behaviors. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm sure some parents have seen changes in their child's behavior due to the pandemic, due to the extreme period of isolation that we had during the virtual time uh, for 18-plus months, um, being stuck in the house. Um, If you didn't have, your child didn't have the pleasure of being in some type of structured activity that was still running, Um, then they definitely lost a lot of their social skills. If they are a student that has an IEP and receives services, then they may have lost some of their coping skills because they weren't in practice, or they just may be out of their normal um, routine, et cetera. So I wanted to make sure that we honed in on that and addressed it. So connecting before you correct just looks like, Instead of addressing, like, let's just say you got a call from the school about something, whether it was they didn't turn in some work, they didn't do some homework, there was a behavior concern, whatever it was, asking them how their day went. Show that you want to have a connection first with your child before you correct the behavior is important. It shows that you care about your child's feelings. It shows that you care about how they perceive their day, um, what insight they have on how their day went, and then you can go into correcting something, um, even if it's not even school-related, and it's just you ask them to wash the dishes and do something before you got home and it didn't get done, 
remember your child has been kind of somewhat out of their normal routine and for however long it took you to get them in that routine is going to be how long it takes for them to get back into that routine. I mean, let's face it, we had kids who were able to take breaks when they wanted to, go to the bathroom when they wanted to, have cameras on, cameras off. Some of them were laying down during class. Whatever the case may be, some classes, you know, may or not have had a teacher, so they were just solely on Google Classroom. So the level of structure was at a very, uh, at a minimum, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, a lot of schools didn't have it figured out. They were just sending packets. I know some school systems for, like, upper-level um, students, if they were close to, like, graduation, they kind of went off, if you're passing now, you're good, and if you're not, then you have some packets and things that you need to do. So there's so many different scenarios for so many different people across the country, so I wanted to address that. So let's just make sure that we are connecting with our children before we correct. Um you know, my second uh, tip for parents is how do you manage or monitor your child's mental health during this time? I think it's super important that we discuss mental health for teenagers during a pandemic. Um, and that goes back to me talking about not being in a routine or structure, um, the level of isolation. If you had a child who was already struggling with social um, connections to be isolated from peers and um, having the ability to engage on the level that they were used to and it automatically abruptly stopping um, is a problem. You may have a child who is anxious about being in school every day, so they may not be participating and engaging like they used to because every time they turn around, they're in the classroom that is exposed or they may have caught COVID and that was traumatizing for them. So monitoring your child's mental health is super important. And one of the things that I'm super big on is limiting the amount of information that they take in, limiting what they are digesting. And I'm not just talking about food when I'm talking about digestion. I'm talking about also limiting um, their intake on information. So we know almost every day there's a new update from Dr. Fauci or the news is talking about the new variants, and that's a lot of information to take in and process as a as a preteen, as a child, as a teenager. So you may want to get the information, but it may be important that you um, limit what they can see because the information is still very clouded. The information is definitely all over the place. And then there's also this level of information that misinformation that's being spread that is not helpful. We have a um, excuse me, guys. We have a community of people who are um, anti-vaxxers, and you know we had the group of community of people who are conspiracy theorists and feel like this is some type of simulation and whatever the case may be. Like that is all way too much for a 12-year-old, 13, 14, 15, I am not a fan of not being realistic and not letting your child understand what the reality and the seriousness of, is of the situation, but we can limit it to prevent um, symptoms of anxiety and fear. Um, also, just monitoring what they're doing on their social media. Social media is 
so helpful but dangerous at the same time, especially for um, children and adolescents and even young adults. Um, the pressure to uh, uphold standards on social media for for young people is alarming. The amount of students that are feeling um, doubtful about themselves, about their own personal strengths, about their um, physical appearance um, is something that is worth talking about with your kids. And what I would say is the most important tool for a parent is being able to provide a safe space for your child to discuss their feelings. Um, I know that in many black and brown communities, therapy is a taboo conversation. And that is something that I am super um, serious about changing. I am super serious about enlightening people on the benefits of speaking with someone who is not a family member, who doesn't know your grandmother, who doesn't know your mom, um, who can't break confidentiality and trust so that you can properly process the things that you have going on. And I think that, you know, monitoring your child's mood, looking for changes is important. And remembering that sometimes your child will communicate with you with verbal and nonverbal um, cues. Sometimes it's going to be body language. Sometimes it's going to be behaviors um, and, and attention-seeking behaviors. Sometimes it's going to be them telling you, I don't feel like myself. And it's nothing to be afraid of, but it is something to address. And I think that in these communities, in our community, in my community, we have to start taking mental health as serious as we do our physical health and anything else. Like if you had a child who was asthmatic, you would be serious about making sure that they have their inhaler every day when they go to school and making sure that they know um, when they're feeling like they can't breathe and they may need to use their inhaler. It's the same thing. Um, and I and I don't want to put a damper on it, and I don't want to make people feel like um, therapy is the only way. But let's be clear: suicide is at an all-time high, especially among young people. And there are signs before. Sometimes you may see self-harming behaviors where your child may be, you know, doing self-harming things like cutting their arms or, you know, doing things that could cause them harm, such as now engaging in drug use or whatever the case may be, just paying attention and being aware of what our children are doing on a daily is important. And it, and it's not to be snooping and intrusive, but you should know what your child is posting. You should know what your child is watching. You should know what they are downloading, and you should know what they are searching on the Internet. So just making sure that we are doing our due diligence um, with the level of access that they have because they can get way more information than we could 20 years ago, 30 years ago.
you know, you you couldn't Google how do I kill myself. You couldn't Google what happens when you take a whole bottle of Tylenol. And I'm using those examples because those are examples that I've seen. So I'm I'm not just making that up or coming up off the cuff with, like, random things. These are things that are happening in schools across the country and homes across the country. And a lot of people say when things happen and, you know, we're standing in front of the, the crisis mobile unit, I didn't know. So I I wanna I wanted to just say that and I wanna also say another tip is being intentional about your time. And you're like being intentional about your time. Being intentional about your free time. I know that the pandemic caused a disruption in many households across the United States and probably even in other countries as far as what jobs people had if they had to take on extra jobs, let's be real, inflation is a mug right now. It is a mother. Like, gas is higher, food is higher, um, you know, certain stimulus packages and benefits that we were getting a few months ago, we are no longer getting. So money may be tight, so you may be working extra, or you may be working longer, or you may be trying to start a side hustle so your time is limited. But making sure that you're intentional about your time so that you can spend more time with your child is important um, because that will help you with monitoring their mental health. It'll help you with connecting before you correct. And I know that, you know, it may sound like, oh, well, I have to spend money to do that. No, you don't. You just need to set aside time in your in your day or in your week to spend with your kids, even if it's you do something once a month or even if it's family game night. You can go to Target and buy a couple of games. Um, and we all shop at Target. We all shop at Target, and if you got the red circle, you get money back for shopping at Target. So you use that little red circle um, cash back and get you a, you know, life board game or get, you know, whatever you need to do so that you can have moments with your child that's non-threatening, that you can um, engage in conversation and and open up dialogue with your kids. I, I think that that is something that, is helpful and useful, and it and it also develops their social skills and their ability to communicate. Having that open door is is important. Like your child should never feel like I want to tell my school counselor or my teacher something super important, but I don't want my mom to know or I don't want my dad to know. Mm-mm. It should be, well, I told my mom, but I also want to call my counselor because she has the ability to help me process it. Or maybe I tell my mom a little bit and then I process it further with someone else. But it shouldn't be my parents have no idea what's going on, you know. And this is not a shame or make you feel bad or I'm telling you what to do. These are just tips that I think are important. These are tips that other professionals in my field think are important and it's it's just something that we need to do. Um, you know, talking to your kids about drug usage because some of them are using that to cope because going back to school was super stressful. Um, and and I know, you know, if you're old school like me, you're probably like, what is stressful about doing what you're supposed to do to be successful? I get it. Trust me. I get it. But we are in a different time. These kids process things differently because of the way that they were raised. They have instant access, so they need instant gratification. 
and we all know that that's not always available, so we need to work with our children on building the wherewithal to hear a no and the wherewithal to go through things that are disappointing and things like that. So all of these things just play a major role into making sure that we can survive the rest of this pandemic or however long it's going to last. I mean, we went from two weeks to a year to two years, and we will hit the two-year mark in about another 45 days, 45 to 50 days. If you're listening to this as soon as this drops, we will be hitting the two-year mark soon. And then after that, we'll be going into the third year of a global pandemic. Think about high school students who are now seniors. Their entire, almost entire high school experience, or people that are juniors, their entire high school experience has been COVID, where things are restricted. They're not having their normal high school experience. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you think. You don't know what that's like. I don't know what that's like. When I was in high school, I wasn't walking around with a mask. We had dances. There were no caps on how many people could be there. There was no caps on how many people could be in a room. You know, we didn't have cohorts to keep, you know, germ pods. and We didn't have any of that. So we can't relate to what that's like. We can't relate to what missing out on being able to play sports and be recruited properly and the pressure of, you know, I missed out on this. And if your child didn't do well online, because some of them didn't, they needed to be in the classroom. So now they're trying to recoup GPAs and all of these different things that play into, you know, the pressure of getting into a college. Like we don't know what that's like. We had the full opportunity to take advantage of what we needed. So I just want us to give our children some grace um in this space and time what i also think is a tip is what are you doing for your sanity what are you doing for yourself if you don't have a tribe or a village it is time to get one to my single mamas and my single dads out here get you a tribe there is no way you're going to continue to survive during this pandemic without having a space for you especially if you're a parent who has are who is seeing changes in your child who has seen um how the pandemic may have impacted behavior or mood or fear and anxiety anything like that you need a space to when you have that open door policy with with your child you now have a space where you can process that so that you can be your best self. You gotta you gotta start with some self care because let's face it, if you had to get an extra job, if you had to change jobs, if you lost a job and you're just now getting back on your feet because the world is opening back up, that's traumatic. To go from being comfortable to being uncomfortable and maybe getting back on your feet, that's traumatic for anybody, even as adults. Like ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. Utilize the people around you. Your child's school is your your team. It's part of your village. Your child's counselor is part of your village. The parents at your child's school can be part of your village. You just have to create one if, if you don't have one, and if you have one, you need to use them more often. You need to start asking for help when you need it because you are no good to your children if you're not okay. 
So I, I know that there are times where parents feel guilty when they do things for themselves, but I am encouraging you to have that space and time that you provide for your children for yourself so that you can be your best self and be available for your children. So those are just a few tips that I wanted to put out there, um, and I'm going to be done with talking about COVID because I just I don't want to talk about it anymore. But I just wanted to come back and give you guys some solutions um, because I'm just not a fan of talking about problems and not having solutions. So I hope that some of those were helpful. Um, it will definitely be in more detail uh, with some examples. Um, I'll, I'll even talk about active listening um, in the blog, I don't feel like getting into that because it's just it'd just be like longer and longer. But anywho, I hope that was helpful for you guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed part one and two. If it resonated with you, I hope you drop me a comment. I hope you like and share the podcast, download it, spread the word to your friends and other parents. Like I said before, when I started season two, I got some great things coming up, and I hope you guys enjoy. But until the next time, y'all know what I'm going to say. I'm out.